I'm Dan Fuco. In today's Sprift Sessions, we're going to be meeting with Ed Mead, co-founder and director at Vuba, fellow of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors and independent property commentator. We're going to be discussing all things estate agency and in particular, the new initiative, Estate Agency 2030. So good morning, Ed. Um, it's a, honestly, it's a, pleasure to, it's a pleasure to meet you and it's a pleasure to see you for the first time like this. Um, and thanks for joining me on the Sprift Sessions. Well, thank you, Dan. Um, and as you know, I'm a fan of Sprifts. So, uh, yeah, very happy to talk. So, uh, far away. What would you like to know? I mean, I guess the first question that I always like to ask people with, you know, extensive and historical um, property backgrounds um, is why property? What, where does the passion for property come from? Well, I think a lot of people talk a lot of rubbish about having a passion for property. I'm not for one second saying I don't have a passion for property. We all live in property. We all, certainly my generation, the boomers, have learned how valuable property can be. That wasn't the case when I first started, though. Um, and to be honest with you, I've got into property because I failed to be an engineer. Um, I was at Bristol University and spent more time asking about in my first year than I did working. And I got booted out after a year. And I was doing a mechanical engineering course. It was a great course, but I just wanted to have fun. And I think if you, if you lined up 100 18-year-olds and you said, right, who wants to be an estate agent? No one's going to go, yes, please, I want to be an estate agent. They're all going to go, oh, no, I want to go and be a Formula One driver or a doctor or whatever it is, you know. And then they go and try and do that and they fail. So they say, all right, then I'll be an estate agent. And actually, I was very lucky. It was a great life. So um, th- th- there wasn't a passion. Having said that, my father was a prop- was a farmer turned property developer. So I did have an intro to it, but I really had no idea what he did. So um, I-, I could hardly claim that it's in the blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I had um, I had a similar situation. You know, it wasn't academic and wanted to wanted to go out and work. And it was the first first thing that came came to me. I guess, like you, I had a loose connection with property um, when I was a teenager, and I think, you know, it probably is a is a type of career which, if you fall into it and you're successful at it, then it's then it's massively rewarding. But no, it's, it's a fantastic career. I mean, if you if you get into it and you like it, there are quite a lot of what I would describe as journeyman estate agents, people who just go from one company to the next to the next, and that's fine. I'm not I'm not dissing people who go and decide to do that. But if you really want to knuckle down. Um, and I don't mean this rudely, but, you know, it, it, estate agency is not full of rocket scientists. So if you have got a brain and a real aptitude for it and a real desire to push ahead, you can do really well. And it's great fun and rewarding. I was very lucky. I came through a time, you know, this is my sixth decade in I, I've worked in the 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s, 20s. And that is I've been so lucky to have seen what's happened in the change in property and worked where I have done during that period. It's been great. Yeah, I mean, that leads into, you know, I guess what I wanted to ask you next, really, which was you do, of course, have some strong views, um, as many of the listeners will know, on estate agency and property in general, um, which you can see from LinkedIn posts and podcasts and so on and so forth. But what, in your opinion, what should estate or letting agency look like in the next few years? Well, I'm always a bit worried when people use the word should. I mean, I, I always think if you change the word should for could, you know, should is difficult because I think the, 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 the whole essence of agency, I think, is going to have to change. For me, the problem has been that 
uh, in an age when I started, when there wasn't much communication, the agent had power and could really control, not control the property market, but could control access to properties. That's now changed with the advent of portals and also with the advent of, of sort of millennials, really. I hate, I don't like sort of categorizing. My kids are millennials, but nevertheless, who are much more demanding. They've got used to doing things online. They want to do things differently. And the entire system of estate agency has been, been very agent and seller centric. And people might say that's right because sellers are the ones that pay the fees. So why shouldn't it be it be directed towards them? But that's all changing. People want things when they want it. And I think the whole service provision by estate agents is still based on a 60s and 70s concept and hasn't really changed. Um, estate, agency, estate agents, 80% are very small businesses, one, one or two offices run by, for want of a better expression, someone like me, a middle-aged man who doesn't want to change, hasn't got much of a succession in line in terms of what they're going to do with their business. They might have a lettings book they can sell, but they don't really want to change. And adopting new service practices or prop tech might bust the business. So they just don't really want to change or risk anything. So I think the change over the next few years will be, I would like to think it'll become more uh, focused on what the buyer needs when they need it. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, moving to from a like a vendor driven or seller driven um, market to much more of an even plateau um, and a buyer driven environment is never a bad thing. They're always going to be our next sellers, you know, the buyers. Absolutely. And I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, there were some terrible stats out a couple of weeks ago, which said that something like one only one in 13 people or whatever it is, reinstructs the estate agent they bought from. Now, that's partly because the what we used to call at Douglas and Gordon, the itch cycle, when people from the, the, the time from buying to when they sell has now got longer and longer and longer. And it's now measured in tens of years rather than two yeah. or three years, which is what it was when I started because stamp duty was a no, 1%. People would move around a lot. I miss that mobility in the market. Um, but the fact of the matter is most people who are um, uh, in the market these days don't move very often. And I think that's a big, uh, I think that's a big problem. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, just elaborating on that, and sorry to go off on a tangent here, but with regards to um, people not reinstructing agents, how much of that do you apportion to turnover of staff within agencies? You know, if somebody was to sell the house with somebody, you know, people buy from people is what we're always told from a very young age. And if that person isn't there, you know, what can an agency do, in your opinion, to keep that person with the agency, irrespective of the person who's in the hot seat. Well, your previous question, Dan, was about buyers and buyers become sellers. And of course, that's the case. And buyers need to be treated correctly. But that doesn't mean that that all buyers can't be considered um, equally. And I just think that the whole um, platform, the whole uh, drive of a state agency at the moment is not broken is the wrong word. I mean, if you go back to the sort of 70s and 80s, which I know seems like ages ago, and most of you listening to this when you've been born then, but in those days, you had a, a, a sort of a box of hot applicants and you, and you had a phone and you, you knew your area backwards. You absolutely knew all the other agents really well because there, there was no aggregating methodology for going to find out who the other agents had. There was no website to go to to see what they had on the market. You had to have a good relationship with other agents and talk to them and you, you, you try and do deals with other people's properties just often just as much as you would your own. So agents had to be trained in all sorts of um, skill sets that the advent of the portals has really taken away. 
I think there's a quite a large number of estate agents these days who quite happily sit there, certainly negotiators who just tend to sit waiting for the phone to ring. They're not going out there and actively becoming real experts in their market. Yeah. And, you know, selling property is not like selling a fast moving consumer good in FMCG. It's not about just selling a tube of toothpaste. You need to know the properties. You need to be able to deal with people. You need to be a counselor, a driver. All, there's a huge range of skills that are necessary, which I think are less prevalent in today's estate agents uh, than they were 30 or 40 years ago. Um, and I, I think that is a contributing factor to the way the market has changed and also a contributing factor, as you will have seen in the last couple of days with some of the um, blogs I've been doing about this issue of the length of time it takes to buy a property, because it takes more than twice as long to buy a property now to, to go from agreed to exchange as it did when I started in 1979. What's that all about? Yeah, with all the tech that's out there and with all the stuff, it's just a mass adoption that, that you know, I think it isn't, isn't that far away. And <clears throat> again, leading on to something else, I guess, is quite nice. Um, of course, you know, one of the big things I want to talk about today is, is the, 20, the EA 2030. Now, for the listeners, could you describe EA 2030 and the initiative in, in one, one sentence? Is that right? Well, I think there's been a, a, a big shakeout in the prop tech industry, really, or the prop tech businesses over the last four or five years. A lot of them have gone out of business or consolidated, and those that are left are beginning to really motor. They begin, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. But the issue for a lot of people when they come to engage with, uh, with some sort of prop tech supplier is they want to know that they've got the best in class. Uh, they also don't want to deal with lots and lots of different people. They want to try and deal with one person, have one sign on, and they want to be able to use whichever bit of the process they need as a sort of menu-based um, ability. That's how they want to use it. So EA2030 came about because um, actually Peter Knight had a vision a few years ago where he said that a state agency in 2030 might only need to have one employee. Everything else that, that is done within the estate agency profession could be, could be outsourced. So the two things, as far as I'm concerned, that, that are needed, uh, that an estate agent needs to do is one, go out and sit on a sofa and win business to get a listing. And two, to agree a deal with, 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 some, with buyers. Those are the only two things that you absolutely cannot, well, I would argue you cannot outsource. Everything else can be outsourced. And if you look at the process, this is for selling. This is not lettings. This is for selling. Uh, involve keeping up with your existing customers, getting information on the properties you're going to look at, marketing the properties you're going to look at, viewing the properties you're going to go and look at, and then progressing that property from a, from agreed offer to exchange of contracts. Those are the five bits of any estate agency process that are vital and can be outsourced. So these five businesses are all successful businesses, established, have good reputations in the industry. So the objective was to make Peter Knight's vision of being able to outsource whichever bit of what you want in the industry available through a single sign-on through one company, EA2030. So at the moment, at the moment, we're three or four months into this collaboration, but the companies involved, which are obviously Spectre at the beginning for the for the for the um, camp, not for the camping, but to keep knowledge up, keep in touch with your with your um, people you've sold for in the past, or people find out who in your area is, is likely to be selling. Sprift, obviously, yourselves to provide all of the data on the properties that you're thinking of, of going along and sitting in front of a vend potential vendor. 
Uh, you've got focal agent, which is very much the marketing side of it, which is um, national and, and extremely, they're very good at what they do. Viewings obviously is Vuba, which is our business. And then ASAP assured sale and progression for the progression bit. So to me, this is a unique opportunity for estate agents to think, do you know what? Those are the only things I need. I just need to go to this one place, sign up, and I get information on all of them. So that was a slightly long-winded way. You probably wanted an elevator pitch, and we've gone up 57 floors, but that's where we've got to. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to ask you how the, uh, how the companies connect, but I think you've already answered that for me, Ed. Um, I think I wanted to get your opinion on how estate agents sh- um, should be using technology. There's a lot, there's, there's a sea of prop tech out there. You know, there's even now a comparison site, of course, for, um, for prop tech businesses. Um, but have you noticed agents using mistakes um, at all in their approach to using prop tech? Agents always make mistakes with with suppliers. I mean, you know, when Douglas and Gordon, you know, we we often used to make mistakes. You know, we decided to do our own CRM system rather than use one of the off the shelf systems. And although I think it was the right choice, it just led to years of hassle and expense. So yes, the answer, the, the basic answer to your question is yes. People will continue to make mistakes, but I just think that the because the industry is shaken out to such an extent, what agents really need to do is sit down and look at where they have holes. Well, actually, what they need to do is work out, I think, where their skill set is best engaged. I mean, clearly, if you've got a lister or a valuer there, they need to be concentrating on on winning business, which is incredibly important. The reason I started up Viewbo, for example, was that um, agents were spending, well, I certainly, and at Douglas and Gordon, we had problems at weekends with people not being able to go and do viewings. But also our own staff had a limited range of abilities in terms of getting out and about. So I wanted to be able to increase that. Um, in terms of what you guys do at Sprift, um, getting together data on a property when you were about to go and sit, sit on a sofa and try and win business was always very difficult, always very difficult. Um, and, the, and, and the data wasn't always accurate. So working out what your staff do best and what, you, what is the maximum, uh, what maximum advantage you're going to gain, it's partly why Foxton's was so successful in the 90s. Uh, Pete Rollings and John Hunt came up with the idea of having a massive uh, call center basically which would t- which would and, and i always used to I, i've said this before in my podcast and i it, it's an absolute illustration if you ever dealt with foxton's you had to deal with a pay-as-you-go mobile phone with a separate number you would use that phone when you were doing the deal with foxton's and when the deal was finished you chuck it away because yeah. otherwise every six months for the rest of your life someone from chiswick park will be calling you up saying hello mr mead have you got your you know what are you doing with your properties do you have are you letting and it was brilliant that is what a that is what a database should be for, and they were very much that they were very good at it. And I think a lot of estate agents still aren't that good at using their database for marketing, and a lot of the CRM systems don't set them up for that, which is why PropTech, for instance, can be used very well for that. So Spectre is a great example of how to use that sort of software well, and how to prospect. So for me, you've got to work out how many staff you need, and as Peter Knight said a few years ago, you might only need one in 2030. But the fact of the matter is, do you want your people sitting in the office canvassing for business? Do you want them sitting in the office canvassing for offers from people who've been to see properties? Do you want them sitting in the office just progressing sales? Do you want them sitting in the office trying to work out who on the database is going to take a call? What do you want them to do? So work out what you think the best way of using your staff is and then fill in the gaps with some sensible outsourced supplies, uh, suppliers. Amazing. 
I mean, I think um, one of the one of the questions that I personally have for you, as opposed to just for the listeners, is: Are you seeing a certain type of prop tech which is in vogue or trending this year that you that you think is really kind of where the prop tech space is going to? Is there one one kind of type of software that you see that is the most popular on your travels? Um... I think it's the trouble is it's a very difficult question to answer because an awful lot of that is down to um, how much people stand up and shout about their own software and how much they're prepared to you know if you were doing a West Coast marketing splash for this you'd be you, people would say well that's really trending because they just spent a million pounds on marketing and everyone would think well everyone's talking about it. Um, the fact of the matter is we just come out of a season where there's been a lot of you know you've had the Property Mark um, conference you've had at the RAN conference you've had. Um, you've had uh, the negotiated conference and a lot of people spend a lot of money. We funnily enough don't with those sort of things. We, 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 a lot of our growth has been organic and they're, they're quite expensive, those sort of things. But if you look at those things, I mean, your own business, Sprift is clearly pretty ubiquitous now it's getting everywhere and quite rightly in that it's a, it's a relatively cheap addition to what people already have. And it provides such extraordinary data. I mean, I did a deal very early on with Matt where every viewer going to a viewing now gets us, has a Spriff report. So, you know, our viewers, when they go to look at a property, will have all the data on that property before they get there. They're going to know more about it than a lot of the agents will because the agents don't use, some of those agents might not use Spriff. So when it comes to ubiquity, I think you guys or companies that use software, which is relatively cheap, the entry point is quite cheap, are going to be much more ubiquitous than something like Viewer, where the entry point for estate agents, who still only represent about seven or eight percent of our entire inventory of what we do, um, is going to be heard about less. So, I think it depends on what it is and how much money you're spending. Um, thank you. Um, I guess the going back to EA twenty thirty, what's your ultimate aim with it? Well, the ultimate aim. Um, well, there are two different aims, really. One is to provide an EA, for those of you who don't know, EA 2030 is a state agency 2030. So it is what, what we think a state agency might look like in 2030 or what it could look like. Um, my ultimate end game with that is to have one single, a, a single sign on, single place people can go to to look at all the information um, and, and keep it really simple. That is the, that's the consumer facing side of it. From an investment point of view, um, our chairman at Viewer, a guy called Richard Cunningham, has been very successful in the past and, and bought and sold businesses, grown businesses. And when I first mentioned the concept of EA 2030 to him, he got unbelievably excited. He said, he said, from an investment perspective, that is what investors will go for. What investors are looking for is the next platform, something that's going to give people the chance to have one place to go to to get everything they need. And Part of the issue at the moment for, for, for most prop tech businesses is they have a nightmare miasma of CRM systems, portals, all of whom they have to go out and negotiate with, all of whom have their own agendas for what they want to do. There's an enormous amount of tech work to do to develop these, these partnerships with, with companies. I know we've been through that. You guys have been through it. it all all the leading prop tech suppliers have been through it. It's a bloody nightmare. If there was one platform that all these CRM systems and portals had to integrate with, which would give them this simple end-to-end -end sales tool, that's just going to make life easier. So that's what I'd like. That's where I want to see it at some point in the next 12 to 18 months. I mean, it's, I, I you know, 
within my career in prop tech, I can totally agree. I mean, if like you say, you know, if you had all of the um, all of the prop techs able to plug into a CRM or a, another type of software, and effectively, like you like you mentioned, you know, a lot of it will be able to take in a be able to be taken away, so that actually leading back to what you said earlier, a negotiator should still have potentially a hot box on their desk and they'll know which um, children that the buyers, um, they'll know which school the uh, buyer's children go to. They'll know what time and when they can do viewings. Whereas at the moment, it's just a, like, like you say, it's not broken. It's just things have been allowed to go in a different direction to the one which made people like yourself very successful. Nothing's changed. It's just the, the fact that, you know, portals, I guess, have, have come around and it's made things a lot easier. But I've got one more question for you. And I guess it's something that I, I think is going to be from yourself, Ed, a really important listen, which is from being an, being an agency and um, co-founder of Viewber and now um, Estate Agency 2030, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in your journey, within your within your career? Um, to get you where you are today? Uh, definitely. Well, I'd say there are two things, actually. One is learn learn what your strengths are. I was a crap negotiator, but I was a very good manager. And the problem a lot of people have in a state agency is that they, they're, they're, that they become good negotiators, but particularly if they're male, it becomes about status. They think, oh, I don't want to be a negotiator. I want to be that. I want to be a manager. And so what often, what, what often happens when um, negotiators become managers is that you lose a great negotiator and gain a crap manager. Um, and we used to have that, not often, but we occasionally used to have it at D&G. And, and we used to offer the person the chance to go back to being a negotiator. And they'd grab it more often than not and go back and they'd make more money as a negotiator. So know what your strengths are. Um, I ended up being a very, very good manager. So I was great at motivating people, keeping them going, winning the business, getting the business in through the front door and then letting them get on and sell it. And that, and that worked really well. Uh, the second thing is, is learn from people in the industry. And I think part of the problem people have these days is that it's such a sort of, um, what's the right word, fast moving industry, and people's lives move so quickly, they don't stop to take the trouble to learn. And I had two fantastic mentors in my life. One was a very cool guy called Andrew Langton, who ran a startup, a business called Aylesford's in London, which a lot of people won't have heard of. But it was the first, really, in the breed of uh, boutique estate agencies um, that catered to a very different market, uh, looked at things differently. You know, when I first started an agency, I was trained up by Chestertons, but Chestertons never paid you to stay on. This is the old style Chestertons when it was a partnership, not the current. I want Chestertons has undergone a lot of ownership changes uh, over the last sort of two or three decades. Back then, Chestertons was a partnership and they, they articled you, they taught you the business, which was great, the ethics and everything else. They moved you around all the offices, taught you what was going on. But then they didn't pay you to keep you. And companies like Andrew Langton's at Ellsford's used to grab people like me who'd been, who'd been trained up and then pay them more and put them into businesses and allow them to flourish. And he was absolutely fantastic. And the second one I had was a lady called Rebecca Reed, who ran a company called Reed Cunningham. Um, Rebecca sadly died 15, 20 years ago. Um, she smoked about 80 cigarettes a day and drank two bottles of coke a day and ate a steak. That was all that was the way she lived. But she was by far and away the best estate agent I've ever come across. 100% service to her clients and absolutely taught me what side of the fence I was on. So those two people taught me what I learned 
um, and stood me in fantastic stead for the future. So if you're an agent out there, you know, try and look at someone who think I'd really like to be like them and learn how to be like them. Learn everything you can about the bit of the market that you enjoy. So if you are a manager, how do you manage? Read the books, go to the seminars, go to the whatever it is, learn as much as you can about it. Um, you know, if you're, not a pe if you're not a people person, don't try and be a manager. You know, there are some very simple learns. Well, thank you so much, Ed. You know, I've really enjoyed um, meeting with you, speaking with you this morning, and it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, I hope it's not the last time. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And I'll catch up with you again soon. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate being asked to come on. Um, a lot of the messaging I talk about in these things is the same as, as it has been before. But I'd love to pretend the entire property industry has listened to all my pro my blogs or my vlogs or my podcasts before. So hopefully some of you will pick up one or two things from that that make sense from a sort of um, a grey 61 year old uh, experienced estate agent. My thanks to Ed for his invaluable insight today. You can find further episodes of the Spriff Sessions wherever you get your podcasts from. Simply search the Spriff Sessions. And if you'd like to know more about Sprift and what it can do for your business, please go to sprift.com. Thank you for listening.